Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Okay, so I'm really sorry that Anth isn't here tonight. Um, he's poorly, and it isn't just man flu. Um, he really is bad. Osada kicked him and said, get yourself there. But I, I let him, you know, relax. In fact, I haven't seen him all day. He's just been in bed. He's been so poorly. Um, so uh, by three o'clock this afternoon, it was very evident that I was going to have to take over tonight, and I hadn't done any preparation at all, um, other than to share with you some of the events of the last um, nine days, which, of course, I can't tell you all of it. It just wouldn't be possible. Um, But I will sort of give you the significant bits. Now, for those who um, are visitors with us and those who are not sort of um, totally aware of all that's been going on over the last um, few weeks. Um, Anth and I, two, two, well, about, yeah, maybe four weeks ago at the most, uh, just really felt we, we heard from God and that we had to retrace our steps to a place called Scottsbluff, Nebraska. Uh, in, that's a state in the US. Now, most people don't even know that Nebraska exists. Um, and Scottsbluff is like this little dot in the middle of nowhere And um, so when you talk about this to even Americans, they look at you as though you're absolutely crazy. Isn't that true? Very true. (laughs) And we were there in 1986. And I can't give you all the backstory, but just if you want to have more information, we can give it to you later. But basically in 1986, we felt that we had to go and... uh, just following a word from God. Now, I'm going to clarify that in a minute. What's a word from God? I mean, you know, it sounds all a little bit uh, weird. But, you know, that, that's something in here that you know that you know that something's saying something that isn't just something that you can pass up. It's actually significant. And sometimes we don't give that voice a name, do we? We don't actually attach it to anything we just call it our inner unction or whatever but actually um if we were really to understand the the i am i and the father are one i mean that's very clear from the scripture and that god is very much a part of all that's happening not just this this powerful being that's way out there who's sitting on this big throne and all he's concerned about his judgment and you know world down there you're messing up and I'm just getting ready to you know pull the plug and you're going to go up in flames now come on be honest that's how a lot of people think of God they think of him in those terms and it's all about this uh, this sort of relationship that says if I don't get it right I'm going to get it rather than saying actually no he's already sorted all of that that's the good news that's sorted But what he's looking for now is to enlarge your life in the here and now where you can actually partake and participate in the supernatural, in the extraordinary, things that we don't expect 
can actually be daily and become ordinary because he wants to walk the journey with us. Now, I said all that to clarify why I said that in 1986 we ended up in this place called Scottsbluff, Nebraska, which now brings us to four weeks ago. We uh, felt that we should basically go and retrace our steps because um, we had felt, again, this is all a little bit confusing, but I hope you'll stick with me as I try to explain, um, because for a few years now we really felt we were supposed to do something as part of this house. I don't mean just as, you know, me and Anne, but as part of this house. We were supposed to do something in, in Salt Lake City in Utah. All these places, it gets really confusing, doesn't it? Um, and we've been, Anne's been a few times, I've been with him, and we've looked at, we've, you know, we've looked at the place, and we've been open to listen and hear whatever might be the instruction that was to come, and we didn't seem to be getting any more. We just knew that we had to do something. Now, let's tell you a little bit why we felt we needed to go to Salt Lake City. Because for those of you who are not aware, Salt Lake City is the place where Brigham Young, or first of all it was Joseph Smith, but Brigham Young eventually took the Mormon pilgrims from um, the Missouri River right through over the Rocky Mountains, and I'll, I'll speak about this in a minute, right the way to this place called Salt Lake City. And when they looked from the mountain and they looked down into this valley, they said, this is the place, this is the place that we've got. They called it their Zion. Quite amazing, really, when you think about it. And they travelled... 1,265 miles on foot. Now, some of you can't even get out of bed to walk to the Jolly Corner shop because you think, oh, if I can't be taken by car or if somebody doesn't take me or I can't get a taxi. They walked 1,265 miles and it wasn't even in a straight line. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. The reason why I said that was because Salt Lake is a place which is very much dominated by a particular belief. Now, immediately I'm going to clarify again, that's not saying that we're right and that they're wrong, hear me? But it's very much a doctrine of works and you better get it right or you, you're not deserving and if you're not deserving, you can't get and there understanding of God is one that's incredibly um, harsh and dominating and there's not much good about the news. Now, does that help put it nicely? Because I do not want to be speaking detrimental, but a few years ago we just felt with all that's happened to us and the journey that we've gone and how we've, oh, how we've understood the grace of God, where is the place that you feel somebody needs to hear some good news? And we both looked at each other and said, Salt Lake City. Yeah? Has that just given you enough of a background so I can get on with the story? So anyway, about four weeks ago, Ram said to me, he says, I feel we've got to go. I said, all right then. And in two days, he'd booked the tickets and we were off. And when I say he booked the tickets and we were off, that is all that he did. We did not have any plan and I was glad about that because actually that suits me just fine. Because if we're going to do something where we're adventuring, then I want to be listening for that inner voice, like we were talking about, 
Not me saying, oh, I think we should do this and I think we should do that. No, let's go here and let's go there. But actually listening for that voice and that's exactly what happened. So um, I think we only had about, was it about just over two weeks before we were actually getting on the plane. And so uh, a week last Tuesday, we literally uh, got on the, the plane to um, into Denver. And then from Denver, we because this is what we did back in eight, 1986, we flew to Denver, we travelled across to a place called Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and we stayed there for one year, and it was quite an incredible year. And uh, we didn't understand why, when we felt that we had this voice saying, go back there, and then travel from Scotts Bluff then to Salt Lake City, and then back to Denver to fly home, we didn't have a clue why it was that. Do you get me? Why? Why couldn't we just fly to Salt Lake City? But no, it was clear we had to retrace our steps, go back to Scotts Bluff, and then from Scotts Bluff, we were going to drive. Now, there's three routes we could have chosen. So that was a, which which route, which route, well, which way did we go, you know? But anyway, I'll get to that in a minute. I hope I've got enough time because I don't want to bore you. And if you get bored, just lay on your pew and go to sleep. But I, I think you're going to find it interesting. Because what this story will do, for those of you who are a little bit sceptical about whether there is a God and whether he's personal and whether he talks to us and whether he's really interested in our lives, I think this will at least give you a little bit of, of encouragement that actually it's, it, it's true. Um, and he, he's very much walking with us. Anyway, so... I hope I don't miss anything out. So anyway, we get on the plane, fly to Denver, and there's a few bits that I'm going to miss out because I, I want to give you the best bits. But there was all sorts of little things which were indications that, oh, that's interesting. You know when you get, oh, that's interesting. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. You know, it was one of them. And I can't give you them all. But basically, we get on the plane. And uh, you can put the first, <laughs> first thing up. I opens up my crossword puzzle. Because any of you who know Anthe is a very quiet person. And, uh, you know, I sit, I sit for hours and he never says a word. So, basically, I take a big crossword puzzle. And uh, I open it up. The very first crossword, that clue is in the middle of the page. And my eye caught it immediately. What does it say? Deep wheel tracks. Hello? What was Anth preaching about on the Saturday night? We left on the Tuesday. Ruts! I'm going, oh, oh, look at this. Anth. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Back to sleep. Um, I show you that because you, you might think, oh, that's just silly. No, I believe that when you are putting one foot in front of another in, in obedience to a word, even if you've got very little to go on, you'll find there'll be things that just go, Ooh, something saying something here. Ruts. Now, I associated that purely with Anth preaching on the Saturday evening. Because he talked about, are you in a rut? And how do you get out of a rut? You need a, a special type of faith, a new input of faith to get you over the lip, out of the rut. Now, we'll come back to this in a minute, if that's okay. Because I'm going to show you some ruts which I had no idea we were going to encounter, but we encountered some ruts. But moving on from there. Um, we set off from... Uh, we arrived in Denver, and basically we got up the following morning. We'd actually been six hours delayed, which is not nice, is it, when you're delayed? 
So we arrived three o'clock in the morning, their time. We, we just didn't have a clue what time it was, but anyway, we tried to go t- to sleep. Anyway, we were up and uh, gets in the car and we did, had no idea what we were doing other than going to Scott's Bluff. That was the first place we were going. So we actually did the same route exactly as we did in 1986. We just looked at everything around us, seeing what was new, what was a memory, and uh, basically went in the, the journey. To, it's really interesting because from the airport, you'd take a left, a right, a left, and a right, and you're in Scotts Bluff, and that's over 200 miles. But they, that's the direction. So I could send you there and say, out of the airport, do a left, a right, a right, and a left, and you'll end up in Scotts Bluff because the roads are just literally just... It's, it's unbelievable, so you can't really get lost. So, so anyway, that was on the, we flew on the Tuesday, on the Wednesday. We go into Scotts Bluff and we felt that the, the thing that we had to do immediately was go up the bluff. Now what up the bluff is, it's literally a big rock because the town's called Scotts Bluff. The reason why it's called Scotts Bluff is because there's a big bluff. You put the next picture on, I think it should be, in, oh no, sorry, I'm going ahead of myself. That's all you see for that 200 miles. Can you see how flat? We always say there's more sky in America, especially over in uh, Wyoming and Nebraska. It's, there's so much sky because everything seems so flat. And we did sort of, you know, that left, right, right, left is all that. Just planes, flat and flat. Anyway, if you go to the next picture... Right, there you go, there's the bluff. And it's a big jutting out of rock in the middle of what I showed you before, flat. So you can imagine what a landmark it is. And so we went immediately to that because, well, we didn't know what else to do. So we went to it. And um, the moment we got there, it was as though revelation just started to pour. It, It really was amazing because it wasn't just talking about, you know, people talk about prophecy as its future, what's going to happen, what you're going to do next, who you're going to meet. But this was telling us who we were, reminding us who we were, what our original calling was. And I have to say this at this point, because back in May, Beth showed the Lion King clip, and she's shown it many times before, and I've seen it many times before. You know, the one where... uh, Mufasa's saying to him, remember who you are. And I remember listening on that night and I'm thinking, that's saying something to me. I've clearly forgotten who I am and I'm being told I've got to remember who I am. And when we get here, that's exactly what started to happen. It was like, this is about, and I said to him this, this is about our identity It's not just about me and you, it's about the rock. It's about what the last 15 years has been leading us to. And we're gonna, now we were there in 86. This is what I find amazing. And yet what we did then was totally different from what we understood when we arrived this time. It was like, we're in a totally different place really because it was for a different purpose and we were having to learn different things. Even though everything that was there then is still there now. We didn't see it then, but we saw it this time and it was just absolutely amazing. Do you want to just go to the next picture and then I'll see if I can remember what I'm going to say. What's the next? Right. 
you remember how Anft told you about the fact that I'd been Googling and suddenly this picture had, had flown up? And it was actually the top wagon, the 123, which is a Conestoga wagon, and it had come up, and I recognised it because on Google, I said to Anft, I said, this, this is Scott's Bluff, Nebraska. So as soon as we arrived, we went to find the wagon. And uh, do you want to just go to the next one? It might be. Just go to the next slide, please. That's the one that our Connie was sat on. Do you know he showed? So that's the one Connie was sat on. Then go to the next one, please. But when we got to the Conestoga wagon, they've added these six oxen to the front. Now you might say, well, bully for you. Six oxen. They weren't there before. They weren't on there. They've added them since, right? It was just the wagon and they've added them as, as to be more authentic to how it was. Because what used to happen, there was ox teams that used to pull these wagons over the fields with all their furniture and belongings over the, the trails. Now, what was absolutely amazing, I said, Aunt, I said, look, I said, years ago, what was the scripture that we felt was the word of the Lord to the house? It was Psalm 144, and it was the scripture that said that our oxen will what? Pull heavy loads. And there we go. We're seeing that they've added oxen. You might think, well, that's an out. I'll tell you, for me, it was huge because I'm thinking, you know, this is telling us what we're about. Now, when we were there before, it was just the, it was just the wagon. Suddenly, there's a whole bunch of oxes pulling it. And if there's anything that we've struggled with uh, over the last few years is needing ox isn't it isn't it true you can't you can't go anywhere if you haven't got people to pull or oxen to to pull the load and we've said oh you know we want to live this this message of grace and what happens with the message of grace you release but then sometimes you don't have the then the strength to pull the loads oh it's interesting isn't it and so we're saying, oh, come on, we've got to realize and get our people back on board that you were meant to pull heavy loads. You're all going to go home now. Don't want to hear that. No, 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 no. So that was the first thing that we saw. And I said to Auntie, you know, this is really amazing because it's telling us who we are and what we're meant to be. If you want to go to the next one. And, but, uh, this is not prepared. I'm just trying to give you from... And I'll have to do it quick because we're on quarter two already. Then we went up. Because you can actually, now they've made a, a pathway for cars to go up to the top. And when we get to the top, we walk down to where there's like a, a memorial. And of course, it's talking about um, what happened there. And this is when the whole thing started to make sense. Because we didn't understand what significant, sorry, significant Scott's Bluff had with Salt Lake City. And then I read this, look, the Overland Experience. And look what it says underneath. I found this just amazing. Emigrants reached Scott's Bluff after nearly two months on the plains. It just went... I think we've been on the plains quite a few months, haven't we? Look at this. Uh, when... The plains, like I showed you at the beginning, you know, the just how it's nothingness. Until you get to Scott's Bluff, from Missouri River, 
which is the eastern side of Nebraska, there is, it's flat, absolutely flat. And they went for uh, 200, about 265 miles with nothing. And suddenly to see this mountain was quite a wonderful landmark. You, you know what it's like when it's monotonous and you go in and you go in and then suddenly it's there. And I said, you know what? I said, Anthes is telling us we, we're emigrants. We're all emigrants. What's that about? It's because you leave something which was originally given to you, whether it's a faith that's been passed on from parents, whether it's a history that you've had passed on to you, but you suddenly say to yourself, this isn't enough anymore. You're saying there's got to be something more out there. And what did they do? They said, right, we're emigrating. They didn't go to another country, but they emigrated west. And how did they do it? As I said in the beginning, they put one foot in front of the other and they got going. Now, again, I'm going quite quickly. I can fill you in some more stuff. But do you want to go to the, the, the next one here? Look at this. Oh, after leaving Scott's Bluff, you see, because at the other side of the Scott's Bluff, guess what happened again? Flat. <laughs> All flat again. But look at this. Only a few of the pioneers who reached Scott's Bluff scaled the cliffs to witness this aerial view. Because looking ahead, you could see... One mountain, very, it's 100 miles away, there's just one mountain. It's called Pikes Peak, I think. No, Laramie Peak, Laramie Peak. And you can see it's 100 miles away, but other than that, it's flat again. But look what it says here. Beyond Scotts Bluff, the pioneers faced the Rocky Mountains and continued hardship. Wagons broke down, food supplies diminished, cattle and horses gave out, many emigrants died along the way. But thousands reached their destination, helping to ensure that the Western Territories would eventually become part of the United States. Ooh, do you get it? Do you get it? But beyond, beyond Scott's Bluff, there was a long way to go. And they'd come however many hundred miles and they were losing their loved ones and people were dying. I mean, oh, do you want to just go to the next one? Then it suddenly dawned on us the link between Scotts Bluff and Salt Lake. Can you see it? This was in one afternoon of arriving. And we were jet lagged and a bit, you know, tired. We'd travelled four and a half hours from Denver to Scotts Bluff. And we went straight, as we say, to, to the, the bluff. Um, look what it says there, the river route. The Oregon... And for those who are not familiar with this, these are the original pioneers that went from the East Coast to California. And then Mormon trails paralleled the North Platte River. I went, I said, there it is, it's there. Look, 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 look. The significance, the, the, the thing that binds this together is that it's where both pioneer trails went through Scotts Bluff, one lot went to Salt Lake, the other went to Oregon, Portland, Oregon. That's why one's called the Oregon Trail. It's really interesting, isn't it? And the other, they went to Salt Lake City. And this is the key. Scotts Bluff is right in the middle. And one lot took the south side of the river and the other took the north side of the river. And by the time they got to a place called Laramie, just a little bit further up, their paths crossed and they, they met. Absolutely amazing. And I said, this is the key. Now, we could talk about, well, you know, I've said we really need to do something as a, as a church or as, an, as individuals, as a couple. 
But it might be that it's symbolic. I said, you know, this might just be symbolic. That when we went to Scott's Bluff, we got up and went to a land that we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know a soul there. And we got up and went. And it was the, the part of our pioneering spirit that said, look, we're going to go. We're just going to get up and go. And we did. And then, of course, we came home after a year and came back to the rock. But what carried on was that pioneering spirit, that desire that even as a house, even as a church, even as a community of people, we weren't going to just settle. We were going to be pioneers even in the, the questioning and the, our hearts that were, good at, were saying, we're not just going to take what we've been handed, but we're going to make this an experience that we can say we would die for this. Isn't that right? And I said, you know, and I said, maybe we're not supposed to actually do anything in, in Salt Lake, but maybe we've got to get to Salt Lake as a church. We've, we've got to Scott's Bluff a bit. And we're all a bit excited that we've got a bit of an understanding of there's a bit of land after all this flat, monotonous 600 miles or whatever of journey. But anyway, that's, that's the questions that, of course, come out of all of this. So, that was the link, and it just, I mean, it was amazing. Do you want to just go to the next thing now? Look at, oh, this just broke my heart, because listen, 1852, and what's incredible as well, oh, I love this. This church is getting built in 1856, and they are doing the trail in 1846, something like that. And of course, after the first people who went, there was many that followed that path. But the original people went through about 1840-something, between 1840 and 1859, something like that. But look at this. We have a great deal of sickness on the road at this time. We pass companies every hour of the day waiting for someone to get better or to die. <laughs> Passenger trains hardly ever wait because it's like we've got to keep going. Um, the landmarks indicated our progress. This is like the landmark of Scott's Bluff and helped to break the monotony like the milestones along the journey of life. There was one less to pass. Are you getting the spirit of this? It was absolutely doing me in as I read them. Um, a great deal of alkali water in pools injurious to sheep. Lost three head on account of drinking it. And I said, this is interesting. I, I'm not a geography person at all, but when then you start to understand that the reason why they did the route that they did was because they followed a river. Because if you're going to take your animals and, and all this to get somewhere, you've got to have water. Yet the thing is, the North Platte River is actually the ho most horrible river you could ever follow because it's full of silt. And they were having to even put cornmeal in the water to try and get it to attach to the sediment to make it sink because it was so, well, cloudy and horrible. And that's what they were drinking. And, of course, you had your animals in it. And, of course, lots died of cholera on the way. Some of you are going to say, what's this to do with church and God? I hope you're <laughs> I'm trying to give you a vision of who we are as people. Because as I was reading this, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. What we felt over the last... 15 years on this emigration track. I feel as though we've had some water that's been like silt that we've had to drink. And I've seen people dying on the way. I've seen people turn back and it's like, oh, it's awful. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is like a parallel of, of my life. This one at the bottom here, look at this. Oh, that was the other thing as well. 
buffalo chips. Buffalo's excrement they used to burn. That's amazing in itself, isn't it? But because of the weather so bad, it was getting so wet, they had nothing to burn. And because how, you saw how flat, did anybody see any trees? No trees. Therefore, if they didn't have this stuff to burn, they had no food. I, do you know, it was such a, oh, a challenge. Just what we just take so much for granted when you're realizing what was required to get these people where they were going to go. And it was such a challenge to me and to Anth about who we are and uh, what it takes to get where we want to go. But this last one was interesting. Look at this. It has been windy, cold and rainy. Imagine there's nowhere to go and hide. There's no, no, no caves. You know, you're out in the open. Um, our cattle mixed together makes a good deal of trouble. I, I, I could preach on that for a, a little while as well. Couldn't you? The mixture. Um, Anyway, I, I won't read the rest of that. The point is, you can understand the, the cries that were coming from the people. We've set off on this journey. We know that something's better out there. But I'm not kidding you. This is pretty hard going. Anyway, um, do you want to go to the next one? See what's that? Right. So, while we were in uh, Scott's Bluff, we met a couple of friends. Oh, I must tell you that. We, book it, we left Scott's Bluff went down into the, the town, booked into a, a hotel and goes into our room, goes to the window to look out at the view and right across this cornfield, that's all there was, was the church that Anthony and I pastored in 1986. It was just like, what? Because we didn't know where in vicinity we were because we'd just followed the sat-nav to the place. And as we, we knew we were over that side of the town, but we didn't realise it was going to be out of our bedroom window. And there it was. I haven't given you a picture there. Anyway, we met some friends and we had some incredible um, conversations because people are asking what you're doing here and you have to say, well, I don't know really. <laughs> but this is the bit that we've understood so far. What was interesting, for those of you who were um, at the meeting on Wednesday, um, before we left, do you remember I told, told you about the ladies' prayer group that, was st that um, I didn't want to take, but I went and uh, took it? The lady I met for breakfast on the Friday morning that we were setting off from Scott's Bluff, Sally, she was called, um, she's listening to what we're saying and she's writing it down. She says, oh, I've got to get all this down. And she's writing and scribbling like mad. And I says, why were you going? She says, to the ladies' prayer meeting. I, I said to her, what is still going on? Yeah, the intercessory prayer meeting is still going on every Friday morning. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway, we set off and Anth and I said, well, where, where do we think, which road should we go? And the only thing that seemed to make sense after we'd seen the connection between the trails, the two trails, we could preach about that, two trails. Um, we thought we will follow the trail. So basically we set off and headed to Salt Lake. And it's a much more windy, you know, much longer way. You can go a direct route on motorway, but we went, oh, and it was just amazing. And, and as we set off, there was a sign, historic marker. <laughs> so we pulled off, let's have a look. And this is what we found, that the... Do you know you can actually do a rut tour? Come on, all you lot. You want to do a rut tour, don't you? 
Would you like to do thousands of miles doing a rut tour? And it's called Touching Ruts. <laughs> Touching Ruts. And basically there's this auto route that takes you to all the places where the, the original wagons went. Now, this, look at this. Thousands of travellers struggled through this winding, rocky terrain before making camp just west of this point. Evidence of their passage is clearly, clearly visible in the crest of the hill, where deep ruts cut by the wheels of countless wagons are preserved in the soft sandstone. Now, that was just on a picture as we arrived, but just go to the next picture, because this is literally it. Look at that. Now, you see, when I said about the crossword at the beginning with ruts, we didn't realise that we're actually going to see some rut ruts. I mean, you can't believe it. That's in sandstone. That's been worn away, literally, where the wagon... It was just amazing to see. Anyway, that was just something. Go to the next, next one, please. And then... All oh, right, okay. So, we end up uh, in this place called Rawling, which there's about 900 people live there. It was a McDonald's, so we were all right. <laughs> but we're talking seriously... Very little other than, a, you know, a gas station, place to stay in a McDonald's. And you're on top of the world. You, your actual elevation is huge, but um, you're still flat. I find that amazing. I can't get my head around that. Why should you be flat and at 7,000 feet or whatever? You know what I'm saying? I expect to be in mountains and be at that sort of elevation. But we weren't. We were still flat. Anyway, just to, I've got to keep this short. Anyway, we set off. And we go to, carries on our journey to Salt Lake. And um, very tired from the long journey because we've done, we've done 1,700 miles in all in about four, four days driving, five days driving probably. Um, but when we arrived in Salt Lake, we booked into a hotel and of course, what now? And, uh, you know, I text some of the guys and I said, this is the scary bit because... We've been to Scottsbluff before. There's a memory there. You don't feel as scared because you've got path, you know, memories. But we arrived in Scottsbluff not having a clue. And I'm thinking, heck, what are we going to do? And Anth, Anth was very tired and he went off to sleep. Now I was buzzing. And, uh, you know, you can't sort of go into another room and put on the telly, can you? So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I get my me, me, uh, iPad out and I'm starting Googling. And just before we left, uh, Beth said... Um, I really feel that there's something to do with tattoo artists and, uh, you know, that's something that you could pursue because she'd been to a, a friend who's a tattoo artist who, when she told the story of us going, they'd actually said, um, oh, I've heard about some ex-Mormon tattooists who have sort of got disillusioned with the faith and maybe that would be a connection and this, that, the other. And um, when we started Googling, there was actually, get this, I mean, I find this unbelievable, but... It's not as unbelievable as you think because there's a lot of bluffs in America, but just follow my little trail. There was this tattoo shop on S Bluff Road. Now, we've just come from Scott's Bluff, so imagine it's, oh, look, 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 look. So I put into the search, Salt Lake City Tattoo Shop, S Bluff Road. So I didn't know where it was other than that. And look what comes up immediately. It didn't go to the search as in lots of different names. It came up on this page, which is actually the Facebook page of this Zion Tattoo Company. 
right? Which ends up not being in um, Salt Lake City. It's actually 300 miles south. But wait for it, you'll understand something in a minute. But look what it says. I know it's small, but can you see what it says on that picture? Carl did this fun little des uh, desert tattoo last week, 4th of August. Now you say, what's that got anything to do with? Before we left, we got an email from Kev Craven. He says, uh, you know, I just think that I need to tell you to look for somebody named Carl. So I'm laid in bed. This comes up. You can imagine what I thought. What? Carl! Now, of course, it could be any Carl. I mean, it was funny because we went, on, went, we went to church on the Sunday morning. And I just wanted, we didn't know which church to go to. It was like, just pick one, you know, just go somewhere. Where are we going to go? And I was going to stand up in this big auditorium. I was going to shout, Carl, are you here? You know, because it's like, make something happen, you know. But anyway, this is the night before, middle of the night. Carl did this fun. So that was Saturday night. Sunday morning, we sends off a, a, an email, uh, sorry, a Facebook message to Carl. Well, how would you send a, a Facebook message to somebody you haven't, a, you don't know who they are? Hello, you don't know us and we're a bit crazy from England. And, you know, I mean, what do you say? And I'm just trying to get over the fact that, that this was really quite, uh, what are we going to do? So we just basically said, look, we're on a, we're on a journey, we're on a pilgrimage. Um, somebody gave us your name and wondered if you might shed light on the next step of our journey. I mean, it's a bit odd, but, you know. Uh, you know, at the bottom, uh, we are not crazy. Uh, maybe you'd like to look at our website. And I'm saying to her, no, the look at that and think we really are crazy. So, you know. But anyway, that is literally what we did. But then, of course, you don't get often replies straight away, do you? So it was like, well, we've done that now. What are we going to do? Go to church. That's what we'll do, go to church. Um, because I said, well, you know, if we're looking for a word... If we're looking for a word, it can come from anywhere. Let's go and we'll see. Anyway, unfortunately, I have to be honest with you. When we didn't get anything from church. In fact, the only thing that we did get from that was that the lady was preaching on 70 times 7. And I thought, that'll do. It's reinforcing what we've said is our ethos, 70 times 7. Although, sadly, there was a little uh, disclaimer at the end because she was preaching grace, and then suddenly she said, um, now, I just want to make sure that everybody understands that when you operate, operate in grace, it doesn't mean that everybody gets off scot-free. And I thought, oh, this is not for me. I can't be here. This is, not, this is not for me. So it was like, there you go. The, what it did in confirmation for us is say, yes, that good news, that really good news needs, needs to be needs to be brought, because they're preaching it, but just stopping that little bit, yeah, it's great, but be careful, you know, see what I mean? So it was another little confirmation. Anyway, where, where are we? Oh, can I just tell you one other thing? It's amazing. Between where we stayed on the journey to in Salt Lake City, you cross the continental divide. That was another incredible thing, because you know what the continental divide is? It means that whatever raindrop falls, that side goes to the west coast. Whatever raindrop, this side goes to the east coast. And it was just so amazing because Anthony and I, of course, got into a right conversation about this. And, and this was, can I read it? Sorry, because I can't just remember it. Is this all right? I'm sorry if you, if 
you're bored. How do I do this now? It's not turning. Sorry. 7,174 elevation. The continental divide, we crossed it. And this is the point. Everything to do with the east, you had to let go of. You thought, think about it. So they crossed this continental divide and everything now was going to be to do with the west. And think, this is the wonderful thing. And I mean, it's scary. All the population where it was all happening was where? In the east. That's where all the crowd was. That's where everybody was doing their business. Where was the, 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 the meager few? In the west. And that wasn't going to grow and that wasn't going to be populated until people got the vision and went the journey. And then what? Got with the vision so much that the that they settled and they had their babies and of course some of them had 27 because it was the Mormon culture to have lots. But you can imagine how big the communities grew. You ever think about it? If at that moment you're in this little place and there's not much going on, you can, it's a bit like the children of Israel. They said, oh, in Egypt, oh, we had this, we had the, the, the garlic and we had all this stuff. But you see, it was such a thought. They journeyed. By faith, not by sight. They only had one mountain at one point to look at, and that was Scott's Bluff. There was nothing to encourage. And sometimes we're saying to each other, oh, where are we heading? Where is all this leading? Look around, there's nothing but grass. And yet, it was because some were willing to go. And I thought, oh, isn't that just a wonderful encouragement for us all? Anyway, I'm running out of time, I need to go. So we sent this... This Facebook message, and we get a Facebook message back later in the afternoon. This is on Sunday, and we're thinking, hey, we're running out of time. So we plan to set off back on the uh, Tuesday morning to make the journey to Denver to fly out on the Thursday morning. I already told you how far we travelled. So get this message back. Very, very nice to talk to us, but didn't. So we sent another one saying, um, you know, what. What's going on down in St. George? Is there anything that you could attach us to? He comes back saying, actually, you need to get in touch with my church, which actually is in Ogden, which is 40 miles north of Salt Lake City. Now, this guy, Carl, is 300 miles in a place called St. George. Even that, I think, is amazing. Who's the patron saint of jolly England? He's down there, a tattoo artist. He refers us to his church. And when I say it's his church, it's his church. He watches online. He ties to his church, which is 340 miles north. But that's his church. And he lives down in St. George. They directed us to his pastor, which was called Matt. So we had to start the whole circle again. How would you write a message to now Matt? Only telling us that we got his name from a Carl who we didn't even know. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. 
Anyway, to cut the long story short, this guy called Paul connects, connects with us, Paul. And he says, we told him a little bit of our story as best we could. And he says, okay, he says, let me see what I can do. Which then we get a message back from the pastor, Matt. Their place is called the Genesis Project. Ooh, immediately gets you going. You said at the beginning, the restoration of all things. What is that for Genesis? Oh, amazing. Ghost, he says, I've only got a small window. I can see you at 2.45 on Tuesday afternoon. Well, remember, we wanted to set off on Tuesday morning back. No, this is it. This is what we're here for. We're going to do it. So we travelled up to Ogden and uh, went to see Matt. And just to, just to tell you what happened there, it was just, well, it was just amazing. It was like to hear somebody speak your language. It was just absolutely wonderful. And he uh, said, well, you know, our hearts. He set up a... Well, see, this is the lovely thing. Matt started in Denver. Hello. And guess how many years ago? Ten years ago. So it's an anniversary for him. Lots of anniversaries going on here. And um, he said he wanted to start a church for those who didn't want to go to church. Hello. Woo! Do you think he's speaking our language? Yes. So we talked to him for an hour. That was it. And basically he said, look, he says, we're here to serve you. Whatever you want us to do, we're, we're here to help. And uh, he, he's running a church where the majority of people who are in it is everybody that nobody else will have anything to do with. Isn't that awesome? And um, when we told him, well, we don't know Carl, actually. <laughs> we don't know him. We just, you know. But uh, I, think, I think I'm getting to the end. What's after that one? Let's have a look. Oh, there you go. That's Matt. And uh, their place is called Hub 801. Isn't that nice? The Hub? Amazing. So he wants, he's just waiting for us to go back and tell him what, what we want. Isn't that amazing? Talk about, and that happened in, well, probably six days. The last two days were the hardest because we were sitting, waiting. And isn't it true when you're waiting? Ooh. And you're thinking, oh, are we just going to go back and say, well, yeah, we did that, but there wasn't anything come of it. But everything just fell into place without us having to push or, or anything. And it was just quite amazing. Now, how are we going to wrap this up? I hope that's been an encouragement. I hope it's reminded you of who we are. Has it? Has it, has it rung the bell of pioneering spirit? Because whether we actually go and do anything there or whether we just finish what we started here, it's the same thing. So, you know, please don't misunderstand or, or get any ideas that we're just getting ready to fly off somewhere. This is about understanding our calling, our, uh, the, 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 yeah, what else, what another word can I use? What we're about as a house and being faithful to that. Because when, oh, yeah, the guy called, uh, the Scots Bluff is called after a, a guy called Hiram Scott. And what was interesting, <laughs> I saw the plaque. This was where Hiram Scott was found dead after he'd been left by all his brothers um, because he was sick 
and uh, he was just left. And as I read it, I just said, I said, Tom, I said, there you go. I said, that's the word for you. <laughs> I said, there you go. You're going to be found dead <laughs> somewhere. And yeah, but listen, listen. You know, you might think I'm being really facetious here. I'm just trying to be open and honest. We have to sometimes accept that that might be the process. In our efforts, and Hiram, you see, he was a fur trader. And what's really interesting about all these stories about pilgrims and the pioneers, the fur traders don't get much uh, good press. But if it wasn't for the fur traders who were going out killing the animals to bring the fur back to, to sell, you know, for, for clothing, etc., there wouldn't have been any trail in the first place. So your fur traders were the bravest of them all. They were going out on their own for miles and miles. So this guy, you know, he was one of the, the first um, pioneers out there for a different reason, of course. Anyway, um, how do we wrap this up? First of all, be encouraged. Be encouraged that what we said we were going to do, we did. Um, we, were, we had integrity and we were trustworthy to the task at hand. Um, we did it off our own back. We didn't ask the church for any finances or anything. We did it because we believed it was right. And we did it also to, to like Anth also preached a few weeks ago about altars, that we were actually saying, we proved God once before here. It was true to his word here and it all came to pass. And so we're going to follow this again and prove again that, that God is faithful and his word comes to pass. And so where you are now in your life, how do we make this apply? This is not just about people who are, you know, going on big journeys. It, our lives are journeys. Every day, God wants to be talking to you and, and letting Carl's pop up on the screen. Does that, does that make sense? It might not be Carl, but you know what I mean? It's somebody who's meant to connect with you, who's got the next piece of the puzzle for your life. But that's how it is, isn't it? And, and we, we've got it. Just encourage ourselves that we're not in this just to sit and have a good time together. I believe that the best worship that we can ever um, do, and I, that's a weird word, isn't it, doing worship, but I don't believe it's singing with my arms in the air. I believe that worship is when I'm actually living out, day in, day in, day out, the attitude that God is real, that the, the, the God who is the, represented in Jesus is just as though he was walking the streets in, in Jerusalem, is, is with us now because his spirit's within us. And we want that to be a, a constant uh, revelation and excitement. And as I live that out, as I'm sharing, as I am uh, operating in grace, as I'm operating in forgiveness, then that's my worship to God. And I hope that's en encouraged you. Um, does anybody feel that that's encouraged them so much that they'd like to be prayed for, to say, I want some of that? Right. Stand up then, Jenny. Anybody else to say, I'd like some of that? Because we tur let's turn on the, the heat. Shall we turn on the heat, Jenny? Let's turn it on. 
And it's not about getting on a plane and going thousands of miles or, or whatever. It's each day believing we're pioneering. Pioneering. Letting go of everything that we believed was... See, we do it with, with faith, with belief. We get stuck in a rut. And then we say, oh, well, I've always believed that, so I can't go any further because this is where I am. No, we've got to keep going. Remember the road to Emmaus? He, says, he said to the disciples, I would have gone further, but they compelled him, what? To come inside. They wanted to get cosy and warm. He wanted to keep walking. Okay, said enough. Okay, I'm going to, if anybody wants to stand with Jenny, I appreciate her responding to this. If anybody else wants to stand, we want to go further. We're not going to, we're going to make the roots, but actually keep moving. You know what I mean? Let's, let's make the mark, but let's not get stuck. Lord, I just, I just ask that all that's been said tonight will not have just been a story or, or, or idle words. I pray that something of your spirit will have been on these words and, and we will all be challenged, first of all, to remember who we are and to understand that every day that we get up, we're actually pioneering we're not just doing same old, same old, but we're actually going somewhere. We're heading to our Oregon or our Salt Lake. And we're going to make it and we're going to say that this is a good place. It's a great land and we came here blessed by God. And so I ask this for all these standing tonight. I ask that they will, they will meet the Carls. <laughs> they will see things popping up on their uh, their uh, tablets where they say, what's this? What's going on? And they know of a, of a fact that God, you are speaking and you are sending and you're calling and you're clarifying and you're opening up a way that we may know that you're truly operating uh, in, a, in a real way in our lives. We just ask this in your name. So I hope for more pioneering gang. Great stuff. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.